We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here, the old man Andreas Hale, producer Cole, baby. Here, look at look at that smile. Million dollar smile from Hollywood. It is great. Hopefully by now you guys have checked out our boxing episode that dropped earlier in the week. Tons of boxing talk on that one. Some Kanye talk as well. Three weeks in a row. I feel like we got past that. Today, it's all about MMA. Got to recap UFC 280. So much happened at that pay-per-view. Doesn't look like we're going to see John Jones in 2022, which we'll talk about here shortly as well. And then, of course, we have a card coming up this weekend from the Apex UFC Fight Night, Qatar versus Allen here in Vegas, which we have a guest from. Khalil Roundtree will be joining us later in the show talking about that. It's two-fight winning streak coming into this, hopefully trying to crack into the top 15. So we'll talk to Khalil about that a little bit later in the show. For any reason, it's your first time listening. Welcome to the Corner Podcast. Uh, here we talk MMA, boxing, pro wrestling, like you've heard. Pro wrestling show comes up later on in the week. A little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of current events sprinkled in. But today we're getting right to the action, right to it. No... No buffer. We're talking UFC right out the gate. And we got to start off with Johnny Bones Jones. Because, Dre, it looks like he's not fighting UFC 282 like was expected. He went to Twitter and said, hey, I signed my part of the deal. I'm in training camp. I'm over here. I'm waiting for Stipe. Stipe is not responding to the UFC. I'm ready to go. UFC today put out the official, the official press release that said it's being headlined by the light heavyweight rematch for the title. Yuri versus Glover, too. Which I thought was going to be a coping. I thought we were going to see the return of John Jones for an interim title. We talked about fumbles and boxing on our last show. Not closing out the year strong. Not giving us what we wanted. Does this fall into that same category? No. Because um, nobody really expected John Jones to fight. Everyone, the man's been training for a year and a half. Yeah, but that milk's gone bad. I said on the boxing show, there's an expiration day for this shit. Like, the enthusiasm for a John Jones fight 
is dwindling by the day. Every day that he doesn't fight, it's more of a surprise when he does. Before, it felt like an inevitability. It was like, oh, it's inevitable. John's going to fight a heavyweight. Now, if you ask me, I'm like, yeah, I think he's going to fight. Maybe. It's been almost four years. Yeah, he should have just got back down to light heavy. Right. But now he's old. He's beefed up. And now, you know, whatever's going on with Stipe, which all signs tell me that whatever they offered Stipe wasn't enough. Man said, I'd rather grapple fires than grapple a wrestler. Like, I'm good with this. So whatever it is, it's not happening. And it, clearly, they wanted the Francis fight. So that yeah. seems like if that's any direction they might go, if they can, you know, re-sign Francis and Ganu to a deal where, you know, Francis keeps saying, I got a box too, which I don't think the UFC is going to budge on, then that happens next year. But I don't think the UFC is not predicated on stars. We didn't get Conor McGregor this year. I feel like the company did fine without him. You're not going to get John Jones either. Feel like the no. company did fine without him. Their only star is Israel Adesanya. And, and even, is he a superstar? No, because I think the, the, the superstar in the making is Sean O'Malley, which we'll talk about in a little bit, because he's got a different kind of following. But it's it's they're they're okay. The UFC's okay if John doesn't fight. When Errol Spence and, and Bud Crawford don't fight in boxing, we go, God damn. Because we were really looking forward to that. UFC still have like really good cards. Like Yuri. Yuri and Glover 2 is a fight that, as a main event, still kind of hyped for because the first one was so great. Yeah. Could it be a co-main event too? Yeah, sure, it could be a co-main event. I wouldn't care if John Jones was fighting. But I feel like they booked that card with the understanding that if John was the main event, would you guys be okay being the co-main event? And I'm sure they're both like, sure. But if you were asked to be the main event, people are still going to tune in. So yep. it, do- it doesn't hurt the UFC that John's not fighting. At this point, the only person that's really hurting is John Jones. It's going to be 35 before he steps back in the octagon. And if he fights then? With two fights the past six years, I think. Two fights that he didn't win convincingly. Yeah. I have to add that. In like five or six years. Yeah, That's like crazy. He, had, he, hasn't, he hasn't been steamrolling competition. Like the Dominic Reyes and Tiago Santos, those fights were competitive. When, they, when we all thought these shouldn't be competitive fights. At all. Most of us thought that Dominic Reyes beat him. So this is a different John Jones getting into the octagon. Sure, you can say he's going to be motivated now, but he's also going to be fighting somebody that's much bigger with heavier hands. I keep saying it. Book John Jones versus Cyril Gan in Paris or whatever you're going to do. Do that yeah. fight. At least you can guarantee a fight. Well, we have a London card, so yeah. Yeah, do it Do it in London. Do it in London. Uh, or, or like I want to see that fight. Francis Ngannou is not reliable right now. Yeah, good for Francis Ngannou. Not good for the UFC in terms of your heavyweight champion. Steve Miocic, not reliable right now. John needs to fight. Yeah, he just needs to fight somebody. That's it. That's Cyril it. will show up. That's Cyril true. will absolutely show, and it's a tough ass fight. Yeah, we just it, saw him nuke to, to Ivasa. We saw him destroy him. Yeah, no, nah, not mean, an easy, not an easy fight at all. John, John would have to wrestle the entire damn time, like yeah. we saw, because uh, yeah, you don't want to stand up with that guy. Before we talk about UFC 280, Cole, how confident are you in your Celtics this year? How that's that's a question. That's a question you're asking, Kel. All right. You you know, you know the answer to this question. I, I, smell, a, I smell a bet to brew in again because I feel like wait. I want is, you to get the Sean. I want yeah, you to get the Sean O'Malley pink hair. Oh God! So we gotta like. Figure oh, out like a good bet that's no. equal here. 
Last no. year was the beard. I'm going for the hair this year, Cole. <laughs> the, hair, the ultimate <laughs> revenge. The beard comes and goes. The hair. <laughs> the hair. This I need full like, O'Malley pink hair with the braids. Not even out. You're in LA. We'll take you to Compton, Inglewood. Somebody will braid that up for you. They get you the full fight night braids, O'Malley style. Shit. <laughs> so listen, give me a second. I'm not agreeing with Let yeah. it be known. Let it be known to the corner world that this is not, nothing has been agreed <laughs> I, to. Let's put it this way. To, this is some, to, gauge the interest. to go back to the boxing episode with, with, with Crawford Spence, like the framework. He's building the framework, man. <laughs> yes. He's building the framework. Yes, yes. We and just like, we're, get we're reporting the frameworks there. I got to look at these Eastern the Conference standings. Down. I'm, I'm going to figure this out, though, because I, I feel like I feel like there's better teams in the East. Maybe maybe I run it back that's on Brooklyn. They, you know, maybe I drink the Kool-Aid. Even though Ben Simmons scored five points the first three games in total. But maybe I run it back with Brooklyn. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid again. Sure, sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. Miami, Miami's looking good. I gotta check these standings. You give me a second, but I, I feel right. like you're, you're catching me. You're catching that. me on a day where the Celtics got blown out by the Bulls last night. It was their first loss of the year. Like they had a bad night. It might be a little different if we were like four zero, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I know what's beating us." But like, we decided to <laughs> we decided to lay a nice, nice juicy egg last first night. game. First game last year, you guys lost the Knicks. See how the season went. Would you want to go play for the Knicks? Knicks. Yeah, well. gotta love it ufc 280 though talk about sean o'malley dre how is this kid not the number one contender sean o'malley goes out there ufc 280 and other good fights on the card let me not be remiss uh benil dariush keeps winning beats gamrot pretty sure i had that you went with gamrot no, I went with Darius. You went oh, with Gamrot. Oh, I went with Gamrot. Shit, I was wrong. I thought I swept the card. Yep. And then um, Chukagian lost. Yep. Farod, I said she's a real Farod, Yeah, insane. Bilal Muhammad gets the stoppage. Team Habib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked Bilal to win, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. He, he Damn, Bilal yeah. was good. Krylov wins. Ojo um, Samir is done. <laughs> yeah, it's lost. a wrap. Uh, Medov wins. It's Nurmagomedov. <laughs> The and, prelims uh, kind of sucked. Outside of Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady, these prelims stunk. It wasn't great. Nurmagomedov was funny because officially, Hasbula is 1-0 as a coach. <laughs> Hasbula was quartering him from the crowd, yeah. giving him instructions. Hasbula 1-0. Coach Hasbula on the rise in, in MMA. But it really picked up Petrion versus Sean O'Malley. Weird shit happens when it's three rounds, Dre. Weird shit happens. It does. If this fight goes five, I think Jan clearly wins it. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought Jan won it anyway. I did too. The takedown in one was probably the decider towards the end of round one. O'Malley finished that round on his back. Two, clear Jan round. Three, I guess you can give it on Mali, even though Jan had a takedown there too. It was, it was a, it, these were competitive rounds outside of two. You, you called it from the get go. He's going to wrestle. Yep. And test his takedown defense, which shout out to Sean. Yeah. Amazing yes. takedown defense. Got back up every time. Scrambles were fantastic. He didn't concede when no. he was on his back. He fought to get his way out of there. 
look, dude, I, I'll say this. Um, I thought O'Malley was going to get washed by Jan once he got him on the ground, but I hadn't seen O'Malley on his back. And O'Malley worked well off his back. O'Malley's a gamer. He's a player in this division. I still stand by what I said that he should not have been fighting Peter Jan at for the number one for a shot at the title. I still don't like it because it's still even though he won, it complicates things even more because he wins a fight that a lot of people thought he lost, and the rankings come out and Sean O'Malley's number one, but. We all saw him lose to Cheeto Vera. That should be the fight that's next or a rematch with Jan. But the UFC is not going to wait. They're going to strike while the iron's hot, and they're going to put probably put O'Malley in there with Aljo if they can't get Cejudo back out there. Yeah. So my problem isn't with O'Malley. And I'll, and I'll also say this. I love the humility of Sean O'Malley afterward, not just on the, the post interview, but in the press conference, O'Malley was like, I had never been hit like that before. He was tough as shit. I knew what I was in for. You know, I got to watch the fight again. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, I beat his ass. It wasn't like that. O'Malley knew he was in a fight. He was in a hell of a fight. I no just, denying that. Their jaws are made out of something insane because they both ate shots. Oh, in that second out. round? In that second round, O'Malley hit him with that, that straight right, and Jan oh looked like he was going to buckle, and then and threw an overhand left and put O'Malley on the yeah. ground. <laughs> Took three steps back, anchored in the ground, and threw an overhand right that just dropped O'Malley. And I was like, oh, my God. I'll say this. O'Malley has the skills to be the champion because the way this division is made up, and we'll talk about Aljo in a minute, he can catch anybody and knock him out. His striking is is that good. I've never thought his striking wasn't that good. But what he showed me is that he won't stay on his back. Now, granted, Aljo's grappling is a different level of grappling entirely. Yes. But he's a player. I just don't like how they've advanced Sean O'Malley through this division. You know, you, you beat one guy and that's in the top 10 who happens to be number one. I rather would have seen him fight his way at least two fights. No one else signed the deal. Anybody right? would have signed the fight on O'Malley. Anybody would have fight. No, not fight. O'Malley for Yon. This, this was a Yon thing, not an O'Malley yeah. thing. It was yeah. the way it shook. Yon said, I want to fight in September or October. Go get me somebody. The other people yeah. around him either just fought or weren't ready yet. And they're like, eh, we got a guy. Like, he's box office. You know, this is one of the things. I'll give Sean and the UFC and the matchmakers credit. They're like, we have this guy who's a superstar. But fuck it, we'll give him an L if we got to give him an L. Because he's going to be a star anyway. But if he wins, it's to the moon, as Cole says. It's to the moon. and. The kid got the rocket strapped to his back. By, by hook or by crook, he won that fight. Significant strikes, say, round one and three, was O'Malley. Now, how much do you count takedowns and control? And when you're on top in the takedown, if you're not fishing for subs and the other guy is working with you, is that control? That's always my question in MMA now. You are getting so good. There's, there's no more just like, oh, well, you, it's a takedown. You, you get a point. Like, yeah, but... Jiu-jitsu guys don't give a fuck about being taken down. You take a jujitsu guy down, he'll have you in hell for two minutes trying to escape triangles and kimuras and everything. So why do you get the points and he doesn't? Because you were fighting for your life when you got down there. I don't care that you took him down. MMA is so much more developed. So I, I, I get it. There's other shit we're looking at now. 
And if you get taken down, but get up every time, take down defense don't count for nothing. Like, well, you you didn't necessarily defend the takedown. You did get taken down, right? It, it, like, here's here's the thing: O'Malley didn't want to be on his back. He just got no. put on his back. Yeah, it was like a beautiful single leg trip. I think it was in round two, and O'Malley yep. tried to do it to him. And it was like shit, it didn't work. <laughs> but like, that's the complex thing about MMA scoring. We treat it like boxing, and we really shouldn't. Because like even stuff like you mentioned significant strikes, like they don't have access to compu boxing or no. these strike stats. And also they don't really matter. And, and judges don't necessarily know what they're looking for. They're like, well, who, who would, it's always the, the best question. Max Kellerman has always said this. Who do I not want to be in that round? That's always the question. Yeah. And that's a, kind of how you score around. But then it's like, damn, we should use like half points. Like we should do something to differentiate a dominant round versus a non-dominant round and like how dominant can it be where it's like, because round two was clearly a yawn round. The other yep. two were very up in the air where it could be like 10 to nine and a half or something like that. MMA scoring is fucked up. This fight was not a robbery. I'm not going to say that. I, I didn't see, I didn't think O'Malley won two rounds. No. But the fact that he won, I was like, ah, somebody saw something there. O'Malley did have land some damage. He did look good in round one and three, where if you flip the coin, you can go O'Malley if you really wanted yep. to. You can find a path to get there. It's not a robbery. I just thought he the landed the harder punches throughout. He just Jan landed more leg kicks. Yeah, tearing I mean, up those legs in the first round, definitely. So yeah. you go punches versus leg kicks, Jan. Like, but if those aren't counted as significant, then what are we getting to? Right? Like, I think they're significant because you're kicking the shit out of this guy. That's switching stances, like, but O'Malley's hitting you with his fist, so maybe it's more. I I don't know. I I don't know, but I think, like, I tweeted before the result. I said, no matter what happens, Sean O'Malley's got my respect as a fighter because he fought the number one contender, the former champion, and he busted him up in the third round, and and he 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 came out. He never conceded. He never backed off. Like when O'Malley was taken down, he got up. He fought his way through that fight. The man's a player. I just don't necessarily like how it shook out. Regardless, I'm curious how they book O'Malley next. If Henry Cejudo was to come out of quote-unquote retirement and fight Aljamain Sterling, what do you do with O'Malley? The easy answer is Cheeto Vera rematch. That's the easy answer. But do they do that? I, I don't know. Um, but this was a fun fight. It was the fight of the night for a reason. And O'Malley is a player. I, we cannot deny that. He is a major player in this bantamweight division. He is a star, undeniably. He's the coach. Is he the biggest star in the UFC? All right. He can be. He can be. I don't know if he's quite there yet. Connor, John Jones, like, excluded, like, active fighters. I mean, shit. I, if O'Malley headlines, he might be a bigger star than John Jones. Yeah. I mean, John doesn't sell necessarily. No, he doesn't. So it's like, I can see O'Malley being a bigger star, the biggest star. I mean, you know, Adesanya is pretty big star. I mean, people still pay to see Masvidal. It's, it's very weird how the UFC operates and what's a big star and who's not. I, I think there's no clear cut superstar like Nate Diaz is now gone. And he was like, arguably one of their biggest draw. Hamza Kamayev is going whenever if he fights Colby Covington, like I suggested, it seems like they're putting that fight together for London. He's going to be a star. I, I don't know, but O'Malley's he's up there. He's definitely like one of the top three biggest draws. That moves us to the co-main event, and same division, 
Now we have Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. There's kind of a lot to unpack here because on one end, Aljo clearly beat Jan, finally, put the stupid win by knee, disqualification, fake champion stuff to rest. Now he gets Dillashaw, where people are like, oh, TJ's come back for his belt three times. The entire narrative is really a, built around TJ Dillashaw. Yes. Not Aljamain Sterling as the champion. We get into this fight and relatively quickly, we're like, oh, Dillashaw's in trouble. And they're throwing hands and there's a couple kicks, but TJ can't close the distance necessarily. Aljo keeps him on the outside. And Aljo lands the first takedown he shoots for. Halfway across the octagon. And TJ puts his arm down to brace himself. Boom. Arm, shoulder pops out of the socket. And TJ's in survival mode. And to his credit, he survives with one shoulder out of the socket. The entire damn round. His corner pops it back in. Weird exchange in between rounds where the ref comes over. He's like, ref, we told you. We got it. Ref's like, is it in? Like, it's in. Shoulder pop back in. But I was like, why does the ref know this? Now you go into round two. Just as quick. Shoulder out again. And Aljo's corner at this point is like, his shoulder's popping out. His shoulder, and Aljo attacks. And it's over for TJ. Gets flattened. Back on the ground easily. Aljo by TKO. It comes out in a post-fight that TJ entered this. Shoulder popped out 20 times during camp. They pretty much knew it was going to happen. Told the ref it was going to happen. Did he cheat the rest of the fighters? Does he owe anything to anyone to step aside yes. and say, I'm not healthy for this fight? 100%. You were compromised heading into that fight, and you knew it. And it wasn't like you were kind of compromised. You were very compromised heading into that fight. That there was a very, very good chance that you were going to lose an arm. More importantly, the way that he talked, now if, if you go back and look at the, the, the smack talk between these two, TJ was trying to bait Aljo into a stand-up fight because he couldn't defend the takedown because he knew his arm was going to come out of socket. TJ shouldn't have been in that octagon. And who knows what kind of damage he's done to his shoulder now and how they, it affects the rest of his career. You robbed other fighters of an opportunity because you were a 50% TJ Dillashaw. You've pulled out of other fights before. You yep. had a fractured rib you've pulled out. You've pulled, you could have pulled out of this one. You robbed that division, and you robbed Aljamain Sterling of a clean victory. One, he robbed himself of a chance to legit win because I don't know how you think you're going to win and the guy's not going to take you down. He said, I was challenging Aljo stand-up and saying he wasn't going to take me down and blah, blah, because I wanted to goad him into not shooting for a takedown and wrestling me because I knew I couldn't defend it. Like Aljo's an idiot. Yeah. What the hell is he going to do? He wrestles. He takes people down. What do you mean? Like, that, that's the dumbest thing to say on Dillashaw's point. But Dillashaw doesn't know when he comes back, when he gets that chance again. Does he get a media shot later? Will he ever be healthy again? Because I'll tell you this. One thing about PEDs, people say he's clean and he didn't pop for a test throughout this. But when you get off of PEDs or you cycle off and all this shit, your body isn't the same. Your joints, your ligaments, you put on as much muscle mass and heighten your endurance, which a lot of people use it for. So you recover faster and you can just go and go and go. But your body's not built for that. And your joints and ligaments aren't built for that. So the shoulder popping out 20 times does not surprise me. Because you did years of damage to these joints and ligaments that your body just refused to feel because of these PEDs. Now it caught up to you if you don't have them. You become wildly dependent on them. 
this probably is last raw. He was like, fuck it. I'm going to go out there one arm. If I win, I win. But I don't think we ever see that same TJ Dillashaw again. No, but that being said, you're the one who did EP, EPOs. Like, you're the one who robbed yourself. You robbed this division. You shouldn't have been in this opportunity knowing that you were compromised. Yes, your last shot, but how fucking selfish was that? You went out there and you got beat up. Man takes steroids. It's the yeah. epitome of selfishness. I'm just saying, you went <laughs> out there and claimed you were the greatest band of weight of all time. Look, a fight is a fight. Once that shit starts, I don't give a fuck. Fuck your shoulder. I wish Al Jermaine took it out of your, your body and beat you over the head with it. His corner said, go for the kill. Love it. Yeah. Like Little Sarah ain't, Longo camp. <laughs> ain't my fault you came in here compromised. That's on you. I could have been, Alger could have been a real dick and went for a Kimura and ripped that shit out. Oh, armbar? He could have transitioned to armbar immediately. Whatever he wanted to do. Yep. But the fact is, is that Aljo now has another fight where people are going to go, well, you beat somebody that was compromised. Or, you know, you got a need to go in the title the first time. Some people thought you lost the second fight with Jan, and now you fought. This sucks for Aljo. And no I respect. Think, no respect. I say he was the most disrespected champion. Nothing changed. If Cejudo comes back, he'll be the favorite to beat Aljo. It's the Rodney Dangerfield of the UFC. If Sean O'Malley fights Aljamain Sterling, they're going to fucking hate Aljo heading into this fight. Sean's the favorite if he fights Aljo. Yes. And the he's, he'll be the fan favorite as well. In which Sean should get the title shot. Because now, I don't even know. Is Suhudo in the testing pool already? Like, is he officially back? Like, who the fuck I, knows? Fuck he's, I have no idea what Henry Suhudo is doing. But they're trying to figure out something. And uh, if Bill, I'm O'Malley, I wait. I definitely ain't fighting Cheeto Vera again. I'll wait. I mean, if that, that's the case, and uh, Marab is not going to fight because they're teammates. They, him and Aljo aren't going to fight because yeah. they said that, even though at some point you're going to have to fight because you're teammates. Otherwise, no, Aljo said he'll vacate. Well, then you might as well vacate. move up because he's big anyway. I respect it as teammates, but once like Marab gets up that high, one of y'all going to have to make a fucking decision. Yeah, Aljo's going to vacate. Fuck yeah. And vacate is going to move up to Featherweight where mm, I don't know about that. But He'll we'll take see. his chances on the ground. Yeah. Against we'll like an Islam. We'll see. I, I just I hate it for Aljo in the in the sense that you're still disrespected as champion. You still didn't get that victory that you've been looking for that was clean. Even though you beat the shit out of TJ, everybody's just say, well, he was he was hurt. That's yep. on TJ ain't on me shit. He probably would beat the shit out of him anyway. TJ didn't know saying. what to do on the ground. <laughs> I mean <laughs> one it, arm, it, two arm, he was going down anyway. I said it from the beginning, like Aljo's ground game is severely underrated. The way he takes down, the way he moves on the ground, his ground control is super underrated. Nobody gives him credit for that. And I don't think TJ would have had an answer for it anyway. Wouldn't matter. I always thought Aljo was really good. We, I mean, since the beginning of this show, thought Aljo was really good. Had a couple slip-ups throughout the years. I never thought he'd be this good. Yeah, no, he's exceptional. Like holding the belt for three years good. Yeah, I mean, Marlon Murray is not this block off. And he came back. Shit happens. You lose fights. Yeah. Shit, Shit happens. He's he's just fine. He'll be fine. Uh, we'll just see what happens for them next. So Hudo or Mali, it seems like it'll be one of those two. Yes. And then main event, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makhachev. Dre. Boy, I was wrong. Brazilian, ju- Brazilian jiu-jitsu is great. It's amazing. I'm fully bought in on the Habib Kool-Aid where he says this ain't shit compared to Sambo. The man is right. They don't fall for the traps. There's something about, and throughout this fight, I really started looking and like some film, like looking at this fight. I think I know why. When you're on top control in Sambo, 
they understand like jujitsu is very predicated on shoulders and neck and trapping you from the bottom. So you throw up a triangle, you're getting the shoulder to neck, you're trying to get there, or you're trying to fight for position, um, trying to grab shoulder and neck on the bottom, get to different positions. Sambo, because they brace up kind of in a bridge position, doesn't allow for that. And the key is they tuck their chin in top control. So every time you watch a Sambo wrestler, even Habib, it's forehead to chest when the guy's on the ground, chin tucked, just like you're fighting standing up. So you're in no danger because your chin is tucked at all times. You can hit them from the bottom. You could try subs, but you're not getting anything because of the posture of their chin and their arms. You can't trap them. You can't move position. It's like a it's like geometry. It's like a perfect triangle type shit. It's beautiful to watch. Next time watching any of Khabib's people or anything like that, watch when they're in top control. You'd be like, yo, this motherfucker's tucking his chin. They do everything from top control and their chin never leaves their chest. Ever. It's the most amazing thing. Islam, when he went for the submission on Charles Oliveira, his chin never left his chest. He slid his head over, his chin slid across his chest to get on the other side so he could slide his arm around and get the choke. His chin never elevated, ever. They're never in a bad position. And while I agree with you, I think the the sticking point was the first 30 seconds of the fight. Charles Oliveira runs and and throws throws his kick to get – there was a reason for it, to get Islam out of position, to get him to back up so he can be aggressive. Islam batted the shit down and stepped to the side. (laughs) And you can see on Charles Oliveira's face like, oh, shit – because the question that I had that I thought was going to be the difference maker is that can Islam strike with Charles? And I learned immediately that Islam was very smart on his feet yeah. where Charles tries to create openings by being aggressive and busy. And Marab was, I mean, Marab, Islam wasn't going for any of that shit. No. And it was from that point that I was like, oh, this is different. So, and then Charles invites the takedown. <laughs> Islam stacks him, doesn't allow him to do much. And I was like, well, Charles's best shot here is to catch him standing up in the second round. Yeah. Islam catches him with a left hook, perfectly placed left hook, and does what Charles does. Chase him to the canvas because other fighters won't do it. No. They'll chase him to the canvas and try to go for the ground and pound. Islam heard him win for an arm triangle. Islam's different. That it, it wasn't just this, it was a combination of everything that now makes me go, shit, man, I don't know who's gonna beat this guy ever. And Islam. One, he's not a great striker. Habib wasn't a great striker. He used the exact same technique that Habib used to drop Connor. It's the exact same punch. Habib used it with the right hand. Islam used it with his left. Yep. The threat of the takedown opens up that wonky, wide-ass, over-the-top hook that they throw. And it catches you before you know what the fuck's going on. Because the level change, just the, the head going down, your hands are like this. right on the chin because they don't land on the top of the head. They don't land on the side. It comes over right to the chin and you're on the ground and then your curtains. So it's many ways to get someone on the ground. And once they're on the ground, it's over. Yeah. And and this kind of dominant victory, like I have Islam as the number two pound for pound fighter in the world. Already. Yep. Yep. You beat a Charles Oliveira like that. Like it wasn't like it was competitive. It was it was one way traffic. I look, I love 
And I have Adesanya at number three. I have Alexander Volkanovski yeah. at number one. Adesanya's had some tough fights, yeah. right? This reign of terror of Islam is now very, it mirrors Khabib's. It mirrors Khabib's reign of terror. But now you're kind of putting them both together because Islam really hasn't proven it against the level of competition that Adesanya has. No, no, no. I agree. I'm just saying the, the way that Islam is dominating people, like we saw. Dan Hooker's his best win prior to this. Look, we said the, the same shit happened with Khabib, but it was just oh, the way he was beating yeah, people, right? Instantly. So yep. I, the thing about why I have Adesanya at number three right now, and I think it's very close, is because the pound-for-pound pound conversation didn't translate when Adesanya went to light heavyweight. He got beat. Yeah. He got by, beat by Jan. And he's going into a fight where I'm not sure he's going to beat Alex Pereira. Because some people will go, and this is just real quick, some people will go, well, it's MMA now. But yeah, neither of these guys have ever had a takedown in an <laughs> octagon. No. This is just going to be kickboxing in no. a cage. So I don't know who has the advantage. Has Adesanya improved that much against Perea? Whereas with Islam, I to just be saw fair, him. Izzy was kickboxing the fuck out of Perea and was dominating that fight until Perea yeah. knocked his block off. But, you know, power you know, is the great equalizer. Yeah, I, I have no idea that, how that fight's going to go. Yeah. The way Islam beat Charles Oliveira, a Charles Oliveira who had a ridiculous winning streak, had beat everybody in what we all say is the toughest division in MMA, right? Because of that dominance over the man who beat everybody else. And I would, as much as I love Volkanovski, I wouldn't have Volkanovski as a favorite in that fight. No, he's moving up. Exactly. He's fighting yeah. a guy who's going to be bigger and longer than him. And I love Volk. And I think Volk has a chance. I have him as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. The way he boxed Max Holloway was phenomenal. The way he got off the Ortega guillotine was phenomenal. I ain't getting out of this kid's guillotine. Don't, right. don't be in that position. So for that reason, I have Islam at number two and Adesanya at number three. If Adesanya mows down Alex Perea, I still might not move him past Islam. How badass is it that immediately Habib and Islam are in the octagon and they're like, oh, Australia. That's not, scary. Not I'm the champion. Volk, you're coming here. That's no, scary. No. That is Yo, we're, we're going to your backyard. We don't want this anywhere. Else. No Vegas, no neutral site. No, um, February, Australia. You're pound for pound number one. We coming for that. That's, In your I'm, crib. <laughs> like, no, that's, that's frightening. Like, nobody uh, does that. Nobody goes, like, the World Series is the Phillies and the Astros. And, like, the Astros don't go, hey, we'll play the first four games in Philly. How about that? Yeah, just, Nobody does that. No. This man just won a fight. And already Habib was like, we are going to fuck you up, basically, in front of your own people. We're number. And then you see the interview, I think, it was with Akimoto, with Brett. Afterward, yeah. where Habib was basically like, like, basically, basically saying Volkanovski ain't shit. He's yep. like, he's really good. We respect him. He's really good. But when it comes to our guys, you ain't no. shit. That's scary. There's like a part where Habib's like three people in my gym beat him. <laughs> three. Three. Like, not even this guy. Three. Like right, right before this fight happened, I sat there and said Charles Oliveira could potentially be the greatest lightweight that ever lived. And then he got mowed the fuck down. Scary. How good that was is- Habib? Because this song is not Habib. No. <laughs> it, it, it's very scary how good this camp of fighters are and the way that – you know, the evolution of MMA yep. has landed on this Sambo style and has landed on the, these grapplers who 
no matter what you do to them, they're going to get you down. They're going to smother you and they're going to demolish you. Dagestan. Where's Dagestan? Like that shit's like the size of New York. Bro, I should have known when, you know, Habib was wrestling bears. I should have known. I should, what am I doing here? Man's wrestling yeah, bears. I, there was just two kids to try to fight a bear recently. One was getting attacked. His friend jumped in and was like, man, this bear fucked us up. Habib was like, I handle that shit. <laughs> and you're training a team of people? They ain't scared of humans. At all. At all. Like, what are you going to do? Bring a bear with you? Look, man. I... Islam's about to fight for the number one pound for pound spot in the world against Volkanovsky. This fight is happening. You got to knock happen- them spark out. If you you have to. And I don't know. And I love Volk, but he's, he might be too small for this task. Yeah. He might be too small. But I don't know. Like, you got to. But look at fucking Gaethje. He went madman Gaethje. Didn't even matter. Like, once you're down, it's, it's a wrap. You're fighting a two-minute fight. Because after two minutes, they're going to find a way to get you down. Good luck. You have to knock him out. And I don't know if anybody can do it. But right now, Islam is the man. Oh, yeah, it's a hell of a performance by him. Man, let's hit the break. We got to come back because we have Khalil Roundtree on the line. Khalil's going to join, jump in here, talk to him about his upcoming fight this weekend. So plenty more MMA talk to go. You guys don't go anywhere. All right, everybody, just that quick, we are back. And as promised, our guest this week, Khalil Roundtree from the UFC, UFC veteran. It's so crazy because I feel like you were just debuting not too long ago. But that's when I started covering UFC, like professionally is right around your debut. It's crazy that it was 2016. We're like seven years past that now. (laughs) Yeah, I think your debut was my second fight that I covered. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's it's gone by in a blink. How Were does it there? feel for you? Yeah, I was there. Oh man, um, I mean, when you use the word like veteran, <laughs> <laughs> and you say seven years, um, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to to believe that it's it's been this long, um, but it's actually kind of cool because it's like, wow, yeah, I have been, I have been in this for a minute, yeah. So, I, it feels good, man. They used to do the the little scrums, like the real like press media joints where we used to go one by one. You guys yeah. would sit in a stool and yeah. like chop it up. I miss those, man. Those those are the good old days back <laughs> in the day before it's like one by one now on the stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff stuff has changed in seven years. But you've managed to stay pretty consistent, you know, after getting into the UFC, took two losses, I believe, and then kind of figured it out. You're one of the few people we've talked to on the show that has stayed in the same division their entire UFC career. Usually you see people go up, go down, try to reinvent themselves. You kind of managed to stay on script and get better. And I was looking today, I was like, you have a whole career in front of you still, only 32. Like yeah. I remember Daniel Cormier started at 31. Like mm-hmm. you look at that, like in your division, Gover Teixeira is just champion, about to run it back. The man's 43 years old. So yeah. you have years ahead of you. When you look at it, it in those terms, how do you feel? Do you feel like a veteran or do you feel like, man, the best of me is still ahead? Um, I definitely feel like the best of me is still ahead. Um, 
you know, it's it's crazy because when I got into the UFC, you know, when I well, when I got into the Ultimate Fighter, I had only had three professional fights, and I got like the bare minimum of fights before I could even be eligible. You know, so it's crazy that although I reached, you know, the the level of UFC, uh, I, I experienced all of my growth in the biggest organization. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's, you know, it it took for me to to fall down a couple of times. It took for me to to learn some stuff. And um, I feel like now I'm at a point where. Um, yeah, like I think I think the best is yet to come because there's there's still a lot of, of growth, growth left for sure. So, Khalil, I mean, uh, you know, you're fighting Dustin Jacoby this weekend, who's on a nice little winning streak himself. Um, but the interesting thing is, like, when we talk about your status as, like, a quote-unquote veteran, um, it's always interesting when fighters in MMA figure it out, put it all together. And sometimes early on in your career, I've talked to a lot of fighters, I was like, I thought I had it, but I didn't really have it. And there was a day that I was in the gym, I was like, oh, shit, if I mix this with that, and that works. Case in point, Charles Oliveira. I mean, granted, he just lost his, his uh, Makachev, but... He was a 50-50 fighter for much of his career, and then he's just started to figure it out. In your case, do you feel like your your the pieces are start, starting to fall into place finally? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't say that I feel like I've got it figured out. Um. But I definitely feel better, you know. I, so I, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I think I think the pieces are starting to kind of to come together. I'm starting to see what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Um, you know, things like that. But I'd say, you know, I'm I'm not too far away from maybe that feeling of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I've got this thing figured out, you know. Um, but I'm I'm getting there, absolutely. I mean, then you know, it's like kind of reaching your final form, right? Like in you know, anime terms, it's like you're trying to reach your final form. Your your last two victories. Uh, did they feel different than some of your victories before? Because we've always we always know you had heavy hands, but it just seemed like you, you were a more complete fighter, and maybe even correct me if I'm wrong, a little more confident in the octagon in those last two fights. What was the original question? In, in terms of putting it all together and just kind of feeling like it all makes sense, it seems like those last two fights, like we've always known you have power, but it seems like your approach was different in your last two fights. Um. I think, yeah, I think my approach was, was different. I think that it had to be, um, you know, the, the, the last two guys that I fought, I think in my opinion, were, were really good opponents. And I think that I, I had to, to show up and, and, and do my best, <laughs> you know, like that was, I mean, I think that's, that's just kind of the, the overall, like, you know, conclusion is just like, okay, I just, I have to show up and do my best, however that looks. And then the result is what happened. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to say, man. I think like the best way that I can answer is just, I, I know that for my last two fights, I just knew that I had to give a little bit more and um, and that's what I did. And it, it turned out that, you know, the remarks and things are 
similar to what you said as far as just looking a bit more complete or a bit more confident. Um, I think that comes from just my preparation and shift in in training and and focus. You know, I do I do want to and I do believe that I will be here for a good amount of time in the UFC and and fighting. So it just took a little focus shift and a little bit of, you know, switch in how I live my daily life and, you know, how I carry myself now as a as a man, as an athlete, as a human. And and I think with with those things being like in the mix, that this that was just kind of what what came out of it. <laughs> how much do those extracurriculars of, of normal life affect your performances in the octagon because you you say that and it seems like obviously we all mature right like we mature in our lives but how much does that help you as an athlete having stability in your everyday life maybe the way you eat now compared to how you did the way that you cut weight now compared to how you did when you were 23 or god god knows in that tough house where you got to maintain uh that weight the whole damn time but like how much of that has changed that allowed you now to be better in the octagon? Uh, I believe a lot of it has changed. Um, you know, after, so I had my last two fights, so not the last one, but the one before, you know, my, like my diet changed and I, I just started just kind of approaching my training differently. And even the time in between those two fights, I stayed eating clean. I stayed, you know, doing what I needed to do, training, uh, getting the proper amount of rest, um, you know, even surrounding myself with just certain people, you know, um, just different friends and, and, and friend groups. And I just, I think a lot of it changed and, and it needed to, if I really want and it still continues to change if I really want to and like get to where I'm where I'm planning to go. And that's just to the highest point of, you know, of the sport and of my career. Um, and so as I'm on this journey upward and forward, I just see like, OK, what what's supporting me? What's helping me feel good? What's helping me believe more? What's helping me? be more happy you know like the the things that are just when I wake up and just causes me to feel elevated and if it's not then it's probably not for me right now you know what I mean so I just I choose to you know do my best to do without certain things and and it all it all pays off in the end because I feel better and I feel healthier and you know things like I don't want to say that training gets easier because I, I like to make sure that I push myself, but I, I like the battles are different, you know, like things that I may have struggled with in the past are no longer struggles. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I, I think just, yeah, switching, switching my outside life, it, it was probably like the best thing that I could have done. So let's talk about Dustin, Dustin Jacoby real quick. This, this is a guy that took about, four years off from MMA and then came back and has been on a nice little run as of late. Um, he has also said that if you don't come with your A game, he's going to knock you out. But I mean, 
what else is a guy supposed to say, right? Like, you're supposed to predict these kind of things. But what do you think of this matchup? Because he said he wanted somebody in the top 15. It always feels like you're, like, right there in the mix at light heavyweight. A couple wins, it seems like you're right in the upper crust of the light heavyweight division. But what do you think about this matchup? And do you, is this the kind of fight that you wanted, somebody like Dustin Jacoby? Uh, yeah, it's a matchup that I wanted. Um, I wanted to have a shot at the top 15. And the UFC, you know, thankfully gave me what I asked for. And um, I think it's a great matchup for me, you know. And I think that, I think that, yeah, I, I should bring my A game, you know. And I absolutely will. And that's the promise that I make to myself and that I make to my coaches. And like, why would I show up and fight a guy not on my A game? <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense that he would say something like that. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, yeah, I'm, just like I told you guys, like, I switched things in my preparation. And my goal is to go in there and do my best every time. And so... <laughs> Like, that's, like, that's what's on my mind, you know, is going in there and doing my absolute best and making myself and my family proud and the people who support me, so. When you see a guy like this, though, like, stylistically, where he'll stand and bang with you, like, let's let's be real, like, you, you guys are going to be throwing throwing hands this fight. When you look at that, not only do you want to be in the top 15, but we've seen people who are exciting, get finishes which has kind of been your mo your whole career when you see that and you see people jumping the the rankings you want to be in the top 15 but we just saw sean o'malley who was like 14 jump and beat someone who was number one like Mm -hmm. we we've seen in the middleweight division someone come in in three fights and get a title shot because of knockouts and just being exciting when you see these matchups is it something where you're like you know what these guys are gonna help me climb the ranks, not just to 15, but maybe to the top five, to where I want to be, to a title shot even faster, as opposed to like them giving you a wrestler or a jujitsu guy where you're like, oh shit, I got to be on my back for, you know, like a round and a half. I got to figure this out. Do you get more excited when you see a guy who, you know, like, oh, we're going to put on something exciting? Mm, I never really had that feeling. I never really feel like oh this is going to be an exciting fight you know like for the fans I don't ever think about that um although I appreciate the fans and I love the people that watch and it's it's amazing that you know we get to do this and entertain the fans um this is about me (laughs) you know like this is about me and so um I don't really have the mental approach to to think like, oh, this type of guy is going to help me get here and here. It's like, I guess it's just really simple for me. I realize like, okay, like, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in the UFC. Um, I'm very fortunate to 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 be a fighter and this be my my means of living and my income and my I guess career, right? Um, and I'm committed to doing my best and my eyes being, you know, at the very top because like who doesn't want to experience, you know, 
being a champion or being, you know, the number one at something. Um, and I feel like I take my challenges as they're given, you know, and, and, and do it that way. Uh, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird for me to like, to take this approach of seeing like, oh yeah, this is going to be an exciting match or I'm going to take this guy or that guy. I think I, I leave it to the matchmakers for the most part. Um, but I asked them kind of ballpark, you know, somebody top 15, for instance, you know, and then they give me a list and then, or they say, Hey, this guy's available or this guy. And then, you know, choose one of the two. It's, you know, I just, I try to keep it as simple as possible and just take everything step by step. I'm about to hit you with a tough one. Um, on your Wikipedia page, I don't know if you've ever looked at this thing, but uh... stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know where I'm going with this. It says Roundtree enjoys dancing and listening to music. He is a fan of the village people. Uh, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> like, I have no idea. So someone, someone ruined my Wikipedia page, and it's really hard to get it like edited. Um, Wikipedia pretty much asks for all of this information. Uh, it, it's almost impossible to get someone to change it. I have to send all all types of different verifications and, you know, it, it's it's just a pain in the ass. So it's as it sucks. And hopefully, you know, sometime soon I can have someone, you know, with some type of power influence, you know, speak to someone in Wikipedia so I can get it changed. But yeah, it's it's highly annoying. It's highly annoying. I feel like the UFC knows somebody. Like they gotta have somebody <laughs> that can like yeah. make a call and be like, yo, can we just like change this bio? Yeah, I'd I'd hope so. And you know, I always forget about that until it gets brought up. I think it gets brought up almost every interview. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh yeah, um yeah, I'm I'm upset about it and <laughs> I should definitely, yeah. I think maybe I'll talk to someone in the UFC to to try to reach out and and get that uh get that taken off. Yeah, reach out to Gavin. By the way, if you just you're around fight week, ask for Gavin. Yeah. He'll help you yeah. out. But uh, I, I think he could uh, handle that for you. But listen, there's worse things than liking the village people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that could be on a Wikipedia page. They they could have really went crazy with that one. Yeah, that's true. Um, before we get you out of here. Again, it's great to hear you're in a great headspace. You're living in the moment coming up on this fight, but not trying to look past your opponent. It's a tough fight, one fight at a time. But is there anyone in the division where you look and you say, you know what? I'm going to handle business this weekend, and maybe I don't have to do a call out in the ring or something, but sooner rather than later, I want this person. I want to fight them. And I say that because a guy like Johnny Walker has turned it around and you guys have fought before. Mm. And, and it's a guy where I'm like, you know what? It seems like you guys are back on a collision course kind of to fight each other. Is that mm. someone you have an eye on or do you even look forward and be like, I, I want this specific person to fight? Um, It's not necessarily a person, you know, it's not a person. I think that my eye and like my, my biggest want and like goal is to fight for a title and so I know that it's going to 
take steps to get there. And I don't know who's going to be in that spot when it's time for me to, you know what I mean? When it's time for me to get there, maybe it takes two or three more fights, you know, maybe more. Don't know. I don't know who's going to be in that spot when it's time for me to go and fight, you know what I mean? Whoever has the belt. So, you know, right now is not the time. So it's not like I can be like, yeah, I want to fight the chick because I'm not going to get that right now. You know what I mean? So let's see, you know, who, who holds the belt. Let's say like, I'd say for me, I think if I'm being realistic, I'd say like, if I, this fight and then you know all of next year so it's next year 23 so like by the beginning of 24 i'd like to be in talks of like okay yeah this guy's ready for a title yeah so let's see who's at the top around that time and that's the name so start, start <laughs> and, that's the magic, and that's the magic name <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? like but until then you know there's there's no name I think yeah. right, like right now, you know, once once I entered to the top fifteen, then it's like okay, cool. Now there's a bunch of us. There's a list of us, and somehow, some way, we're we're all pretty much going to be fighting each other until one of us gets you know gets the opportunity. So, yeah, as of now, no names, but in the grand scheme of things, yeah, whoever's whoever has the belt, just aiming at numbers, fifteen, top ten top five and then whoever has the belt i like it great mentality thank you on a fight week taking time out to speak with us we appreciate it can't wait to watch your fight one of the highlights of this weekend's card so can't wait and hopefully you know you get this quick knockout we see a quick turnaround because they're filling up this vegas pay-per-view real quick 282 (laughs) like let's let's get one of those spots you know just just (laughs) run it back real quick um because one thing with your style love seeing you in front of fans Love seeing you in front of a big arena. So I'm hoping you get this knockout and we see that turnaround. So everyone, you know, 30,000, 20,000 can enjoy uh, a crazy knockout in December. So we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Khalil yeah. Roundtree, chopping it up with us. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. Take it easy, man. Thanks, Khalil. Hmm. All right. <sighs> Amazing to have Khalil Roundtree, especially on a fight week, come through and speak with us. Big things. You know, he's chopping away at that division. Light heavyweight, we say it all the time. It needs new blood. It needs new people at the top. It's crazy how young he is, 32 years old. So plenty of time ahead for him, especially when we're seeing a guy, 43-year-old, running it back for his title opportunity. That that division, anything can go. But that card is very top-heavy this weekend. So we get some cool fights in a co-main event. If you guys are new to the show, we're picking Khalil Rountree to win. We pick everyone on the show to win. And we, we're in need of a win, by the way. Like, we're, yeah, we're on we a bad slide. So let's let's get this going. Khalil's going to bring it home. The co-main, though, Tim Means versus Max Griffin. Action. Action. And these are two guys where it's like, they need this. Max mm-hmm. Griffin was on, like, a, a nice little run for a second, but ended up losing um, to Neil Magny. So it's like, yo, he, he got a bounce back but 36 years old for max griffin tim means 38 tim means seems i sort of got tim means has been fighting the ufc since i was in high school that's what it feels like he's been here forever 2012 a decade of tim means 
he just lost to Kevin Holland, um, his fight before. But before then, he was on a three-fight winning streak. So Tim Means, these are both two guys. That's like, yo, if you're going to shoot back up the rankings, got to keep piling these up. I'm going to go with Max Griffin in this one, but true 50-50 fight this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to pick Tim Means. Again, I have no idea who's going to win this fight. I don't think it'll be a stoppage, uh, but I'm going to pick Tim Means by split decision. And the main event, Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. I mean, come on, Arnold Allen. The the UK connection, people are going crazy for him. He just wrecked Dan Hooker. I know it was on like short notice for Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is a madman and takes fights on like a week notice. He doesn't care. But he just wrecked Dan Hooker. Uh, Sadiq Youssef before then, Nick Lentz before that. I mean, to me, and, and this is a guy now who's been in the UFC since 2015 and 28 years old figuring it out just about to approach his prime great spot for him to headline i i think arnold allen wins on the biggest stage so far of his career in terms of headlining yeah and i agree and i and i actually had calvin cater beating josh emmett in that last fight and josh emmett seems like he'll be in line at some point to get a title fight him and Benil, josh emmett and benil darius are kind of like in the same spot where they just yes they wait. are but i think this fight, fight each other <laughs> yep, I think Arnold Allen will win this fight. He'll use his wrestling. He'll 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 just be a better fighter on this night. He'll beat Calvin Cater. He'll ask for a title fight, and then they'll probably say, "Hey, you see the fight, Max Holloway or Josh Emmett? Take your pick." Because Alexander Volkanovsky is going to fight uh, Islam Makachev, and you need to do something else. But I think that Ar- Ar- Arnold Allen's been good enough to uh, to neutralize Cater's striking. I think the wrestling will be there. I just think he's a better fighter, man. I think he's a better fighter. Arnold yeah. Allen by decision. Me too. Five rounds is tough, but Calvin Cater is even tougher than that. So yeah. I can't I can't see Allen just steamrolling him. It, even though the last fight you look at it, you're like, damn, like I didn't think he was gonna do that to Dan Hooker. Yeah. Right? Like Dan Hooker's tough as hell. But that seems like the anomaly. Like Arnold Allen usually goes long in fights, tough as fights, five rounds. I think he'll do enough to win this and keep the momentum going. And then he should have a nice little bit of time to rest because the next time we should see him is that UK card in like February. True. Throw his ass right on that card because the crowd over there for him, they love it. So can't wait to see um, how this one shakes out. But we both pick Arnold Allen. That's been a great MMA show for today. So we appreciate all of you guys for listening. Amazing guests once again in Khalil Roundtree. It's fun for myself, the old man Andreas Hale, producer Cole, Bay Bay. We appreciate you all for listening as always. Shout out to everyone at Blue Wire. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, Corner Podcast on YouTube. See our pretty faces for every episode. You guys are great. Check out the rest our boxing show from earlier in the week. Pro wrestling still to come later this week. Lot to talk about in pro wrestling. The suspensions might be coming to an end shortly. So we get to really dive into AEW and talk about NXT and what's going on down there. So can't wait for that. Till next time, we're out. Peace. <laughs>